So Money episode 42, Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to Ask Farnoosh, everyone. It is Sunday. How you doing? I hope you're having a really, really good weekend. It is snowing here in New York. I'm looking outside of my apartment window in Brooklyn, and the city is covered in a nice, beautiful white blanket. And it's only going to take another 24 hours before this turns into slush, and it will be absolutely disgusting. But for now, it is absolutely beautiful and very picturesque, a perfect moment to be engaging with you, to be responding to all of your fantastic questions, connecting with you, seeing what's on your money mind. And so let's start. We've got a question here from Lewis. Lewis says, he actually tweets, he says, Farnoosh, what's the best place to park your cash as you say for a down payment on a house? Okay, well, Lewis, congratulations. You're thinking about buying a house. Big steps to take. Well, the first step, of course, is to save for a down payment. And I would say, this isn't money that you want to lock up anywhere. You don't want to put this in a CD or a bond or even the stock market. You want to keep this cash as liquid as possible so that you can take it so that when you find that dream home and you want to make a bid and you want to be the first in line, you can take that cash out and be ready to present your offer. So I would say just keep it in a liquid account online somewhere, perhaps, or your existing bank account. Don't worry about the interest rate. This is not you know, you're not saving this money to earn more money. You're just trying to save it so that you don't spend it and that you'll have it accessible to you when you start to, you know, get serious about buying a house. A website that I think that might be actually fun to save at is smartypig.com. I have no relationship with smartypig.com, but I have been a fan of this website since its inception several years ago. And basically, it's an FDIC insured online account. It actually has a pretty competitive savings rate of about 1%. But beyond that, what I like about Smarty Pig is that it allows you to save for a goal, right? So whether you want to save for a car or a house or a vacation, it allows you to specify what your goal is and then share that goal with your friends, your family, your followers on Facebook. And it's kind of fun because you can kind of start a campaign around this goal and then people on your birthday, around the holidays or for whenever they're feeling generous can contribute to this goal and you can provide them a link to Smarty Pig. They can, you know, send you like a couple hundred bucks or whatever. Kind of cool, right? Then you can have like a big housewarming party and invite everybody who contributed. It's sort of like a Kickstarter, but, you know, loosely. Uh, So it's smartypig.com. Check it out. Let me know what you think. Good luck. Hope you uh, find your dream home. Jason says, so Farnoosh, I really enjoy your podcast and look forward to learning more from it in the future. Thank you for what you do. Well, thanks so much, Jason. I left my job of 15 years and transferred my 401k to a Roth IRA, which is currently being handled by professionals. I'm going to change that very soon. The quarterly fees are outrageous. I also have about $20,000 in company stock from my old employer that will be available to me this year. My question is, what should I do with the $20,000 as well as the Roth? And how far behind do you feel my retirement savings actually is? He says, my wife is also 41, but she's in school 
and the only retirement savings she has now is from work. All right, well, Jason, a couple of things I just want to say congratulations on. First of all, transferring your 401k to a Roth IRA was very smart because chances are, you know, you probably earn, you're in your 40s, I'm guessing you maybe earn too much to directly invest in a Roth IRA. You might phase out already of that uh, eligibility, but of course, anyone can do a Roth conversion. So converting your 401k to a Roth IRA, great. As we know, with a Roth IRA, you get to take advantage of those tax benefits. You can withdraw that money in retirement, pay no taxes. It's beautiful. And so moving that to somewhere else where you're not going to be facing fees, quarterly fees that are so outrageous, also bravo. Uh, That's really smart. And I hope that within that Roth IRA, you're invested in low-fee accounts, such as index funds, um, exchange-traded funds, things like that. Make sure that you ask about the expense ratios on all of the, um, you know, all the investments that are in that Roth IRA. Now, as far as your $20,000 in company stock, that's awesome too. Congrats on that. You know, given the circumstances that you just left this job, you didn't tell me whether you have a new job, and the fact that your wife's in school, so clearly she's not working, I think that not knowing again what your savings situation is, your current savings, like your rainy day savings, I would say keep a hold of that cash. Keep a hold of that $20,000, put it in a liquid account like I told Lewis to do, because at this point, you know, financially, you're probably in a fragile state. You guys don't have income coming in, guessing you don't have a job yet, or maybe you're in between jobs. So it's important to have access to some cash in the event that your job hunt takes longer than it does, in the event that your wife graduates from her program and doesn't find a job right away. So having money at your disposal is really, really important, I think, for your stage in your life. Uh, As far as retirement goes, again, you didn't tell me how much you have in that Roth IRA. I don't know how much your wife has saved in her work account. But the fact that you're asking me this suggests perhaps that you're not so confident. And so if you're not confident, I'm not confident. I would say that if you're in your 40s and you feel behind in terms of retirement savings, like you want to retire at 65, imagine you know, what your life is going to be at that, at that age. What will be your expenses? There are websites out there that can calculate this for you, by the way. For example, choose to save.org. You go on there and they factor in things like your social security payout. They factor in, you know, what kind of a lifestyle you anticipate having, wanting. Will you have a mortgage? Will you have debt? Things like that. And so then once you get your picture of what retirement will look like, it helps you work backwards to say, okay, at 41, this is how much money you should have saved. It's hard for me to say, not knowing what all those factors will be for you, what a good number to have today is. You know, is it 500,000? Is it a million right now? Is it 100,000? I would say, I hope it's a six-figure savings at this point, to be honest. You know, you're in your 40s. So I would say that once you are back at work and you have access to a 401k, uh, once your wife is at back at work, has access to a 401k again, start contributing the max, really. You know, I think it's like $18,000 this year in 2015. Do the best you can, maybe 15% of your income every single year from here on out. If you're feeling like you're not 100% comfortable with where you are retirement-wise, then be aggressive. Take this time now to get aggressive. Okay, next we've got Jeffrey. Jeffrey says, hello, first and foremost, wonderful podcast. Keep it up. Thanks, Jeffrey. He says, my question is about domestic outsourcing. 
On a few different occasions, you have discussed this topic with guests and demonstrated enthusiasm in their choices to outsource domestic activities like nannies, house cleaning, etc. I also know that one of your guests, Mr. Money Mustache, is a strong advocate for not outsourcing. What is your personal philosophy on the outsourcing of domestic activities? Jeffrey, excellent question, and I love that you are listening to the podcast. You know, you're picking up on some, some, uh, some trends here. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's uh, especially with my female guests, my successful, hardworking, driven, busy mothers who happen to also be entrepreneurs, and they don't have time to you know cook all the time. They don't have time to do their laundry. They may not have time to they may not have time to you know do renovation projects on their own so if they have the money and the desire then I say go for it my philosophy is especially for busy working moms because I think that there is still in society this expectation that you know having it all means doing it all it doesn't I think you can have it all but you know god help you if you think you have to do it all don't do it all Um, if you have the resources to get others to help you why not? If that means that that frees up your time to do things that are more important to you, whether it's spending more time with your kids, spending more time with your husband, working on your business, or just sleeping, okay? I'll, I'll, be, I'll let you in on a secret here. <laughs> my nanny, my lovely nanny comes at eight o'clock in the morning every day. Sometimes I'm asleep when she gets here because I want to sleep an extra 30 minutes and that's my money well spent. The fact that I get to, because perhaps I've been up all night, you know, I've been up all night with my son, I've been up all night working, I've been up all night, you know, just uh, for whatever reason, I might need an extra, you know, 30 minutes or an hour of shut eye in the morning. So she allows me to do that. My investment in her allows me to get my energy back. And so, you know, I think this is very subjective. Mr. Money Mustache may not agree with me, but I also know that he is more or less retired. But that's okay. I think we're allowed to disagree on this topic. You know, I wrote a book about female breadwinners last year, and the paperback comes out in April. It's called When She Makes More. And you'll be astonished. I was astonished to find out that when she makes more, she actually does more housework, believe it or not. She does a 10-hour shift at work, comes home, and actually starts doing dishes and making dinner and doing actually more work, more domestic work, than, say, a woman who makes less than her partner. And when the psychologists really analyzed this piece of data, they concluded that a lot of it has to do with her feeling like she has to overcompensate in the domestic area in her life because she's, you know, perceived perhaps as like the breadwinner kind of taking on this very male role. So she resorts to doing these sort of quote unquote more female, you know, roles, domestic roles to sort of overcompensate for for making more than her partner. It's completely psychological. It's it's uh, unhealthy and yet we do it and this is something that I want to bring to the forefront and say this is crazy if you're doing this you're going to burn out your marriage is going to suffer you are going to suffer your happiness is going to suffer so if you are able to outsource these things because they're important to you and you want them done but you're just not able to do your laundry at the end of the day have someone else do it I'm a big fan of this and if someone disagrees then that's absolutely fine Um, hopefully they're finding a way to make peace with doing their domestic work. This is how I choose to find peace with my domestic work. So it was a really good question. I think that, you know, I kind of wish I had someone else here to debate this with me, but uh, thanks for making me uh, think about that, Jeffrey. It's a a good question. It is something that comes up a lot on the podcast. And I think that while money doesn't 
directly by happiness. I think that it can afford you more time in your schedule through outsourcing to do things that you actually do love. Susan writes in and she says, I just want to tell you that I'm almost 60 years old. I'm a working mother and wife who is a financial mess. My husband and I have lots of debt, including student loans. We are paying for our two kids, a mortgage, and not much in retirement, although we both make a six-figure salary. I'm just starting to educate myself on money and have really benefited from your show. I love it and look forward to it each day. Where were you 40 years ago? (laughs) Susan, thank you so much. That's so kind. Where was I 40 years ago? I was uh, not born yet, but uh, I, I'm glad we're connecting now. You know, it's better late than never, I guess, right, Susan? Thanks so much for tuning into the show and for your feedback. And you call yourself a financial mess, but I think it's fixable. I do. I'm confident here. Now, I don't know a whole lot about you. You've lit- written, you know, six or seven lines to me, but from what I gather, I think that your priority right now, as you are approaching 60, is to really once and for all demolish that debt. I, I assume that your kids now um, are old enough to work. And so if, if you're taking care of their student loans and it's weighing on your finances, it's weighing on your ability to save for retirement, that's no good. I would say call a family meeting and and let them know that Farnoosh suggested we have a family meeting. So blame me. <laughs> say this, this this woman who has this daily podcast, she's a little crazy, but she said that we should meet and talk about this because um, it's stressing us out and she's worried about us. So what I, I would say is that have this family meeting and let them know that while you are so proud of them for going to college and, and getting their degree and it would be their and it would be your honor to support them as much as you can, you have reached your limits. And while you have taken out these loans for them on their behalf, that you were short-sighted in doing this because what it has inevitably caused you to do is to put your own retirement savings on the back burner. And now as you're approaching 60, as many people are thinking about retirement, you, my friend Susan, might have to work another 10 years or longer to make ends meet. And or worst case scenario, Ask your kids for help. I mean, unfortunately, your predicament is not uncommon. We have many people in this country in their 60s, late 60s, 70s, who don't have enough money to support themselves, and so they're living with their children or or their children are helping them financially. And I think if you want to prevent that from happening, and I think your kids wouldn't want that to happen, then involve them now. Have them participate in paying for their own education. Come up with a plan for either splitting the loans together or, you know, just saying, here you go. Here are your loans. Hopefully we're talking, you know, relatively manageable student loan debt. I don't know if it's in the six figures. I really hope not. But I hope that that for each of your kids, it's somewhere, you know, where they can, with a job, start to pay down these loans. I want to start seeing the bank of mom and dad shut down. That has to happen. Um, so that's step number one. And I will say that as far as that debt goes, if you have any credit card debt, I, I don't, I'm not sure if you do, but it says you have a lot of debt, including student loans. So I'm guessing maybe some of that is also credit card debt. Get some help with that too. Call the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, nfcc.org, and talk to someone. Have them help you, be your advocate, tell you what to do. I don't know the specifics of your credit card debt, but if it's also to a point where you cannot make those payments in good time, then you need some help. So get that help. Step number two, I assume you're both you know, working at jobs where you have 401ks. Given that you're both you know, in your 60s, make sure that you're contributing the maximum to your retirement accounts. 
you want to take advantage of catch-up contributions. It's not a whole lot, but at this point, every little bit can help. So for the 401k, the um, maximum contribution for those ages 50 and older is $18,000. It's $500 more than everybody else gets to put into their 401k. So if you have that, put that towards the 401k. And as far as social security goes, I would say delay, delay, delay. Because every year that you delay your social security, you on average can see your payout increase by 8%. By the time you're 70, at the maximum age that you can withdraw, that can be a real nice difference for you. So thank you, Susan, so much for writing in. I I wish you and your husband the best of luck and I am very serious. I really think you need to have a heart to heart with your kids. They can really support you now. And I think that they'll appreciate it. You know, I think kids want to help and they want to be involved. And I think that you should. Why not? Lisa says, hey, Farnoosh, I love the podcast. I make more than 100000 a year and I max out my 403B contributions. Because of my income, though, I don't qualify for the Roth IRA or the tax deduction for the traditional IRA. Should I still invest in a traditional IRA or go with a non-retirement investment account or prepay my mortgage. I don't carry any credit card debt and I have six months of living expenses saved. Well, Lisa, high five, high 10. This is amazing. Um, You have your act together. I have to say, you have financial freedom and this is uh, not something that I get crossing my email inbox often. So I'm excited to read this out loud. I hope it inspires others listening. I think, Lisa, you're ready for a meeting with a financial planner. If you don't have one yet, you can go to napfa.org, N-A-P as in Paul, F as in Frank, A as in Apple, .org, and find a few in your neighborhood. And I say a few because I want you to interview a few. Um, Have initial meetings with uh, three or four different planners until you maybe figure out which one you like the most and which one has your best interest at heart. Uh, go with a fee-only planner. I think you can really benefit from working with somebody who can help you direct this overage that you have every month. You know, as far as a brokerage account goes, the benefits to that, one, you get to access that money, you know, without paying a penalty whenever you want. And like an IRA, I would say that, you know, since you don't qualify for the deduction for traditional IRA, that's kind of a bummer. So the brokerage account sounds attractive, right? But I want to make sure that you have a planner or an advisor that can help you set one up that is cost efficient, low fees, and that makes sense for you know what your goals are. So before you open up this brokerage account, figure out well what what do I want this money to do for me, and why do I want to be aggressive with this money? Is this meant to be supplemental for my retirement? Is this meant to help me save up for a house in the next five years? If this is money that you need in the next five years, by the way, do not put it in the stock market. If you're looking to buy a house next year, if you're looking to start a family next year, if you're looking to uh, buy a car next year or in the next couple of years, keep that money more liquid and don't be risky with that money. But if this is money that you wanna save to supplement your retirement account, then okay, maybe a brokerage account could be a wise supplemental investment vehicle for you. Uh, The benefit being that you can always access that money without paying any penalties prior to retiring in the event that you you decide you do actually want that money for other purposes. But I think working with a planner can help you really figure out how to manage that money in a way that makes sense for you and as far as what your goals are. Should you prepay your mortgage? Maybe, if there's extra money left over, uh, I assume your mortgage doesn't have a very high interest rate as interest rates have been pretty, pretty low the last, you know, I'd say you know, 
10 years, but making an extra monthly payment every year towards the principal, a 13th payment towards principal could help you, you know, over the long run, knock down several years of that loan's term and you know, save you a ton in interest. So if you've got extra money, why not? Good thing you don't have any credit card debt and you have your six months living expenses saved. Again, high 10, Lisa, high 10. And just as a reminder, I wanna say to everybody that if you want 15 minutes with me one-on-one, I'm actually giving away a free 15-minute money blitz every single week over Skype. You and I connect over one topic that you choose. The way you can qualify for this contest is by leaving a review on iTunes and then letting me know that you left the review by simply emailing me, farnoosh at somoneypodcast.com. We actually have a winner from this week that I announced yesterday on the podcast, but I'll announce her again. She is Sunny Moose, and she says, I love this podcast. I've listened to this podcast every day since it launched, and I love it. Like Farnoosh, I am a new mom with a busy career, so I'm always looking for ways to optimize my time and my life. I typically listen to the podcast during my commute or while I'm working out. The interviews are always interesting and exciting and inspiring, and I already think that my life is richer now that I've added so money to my daily routine. So this is so great. I love that she has found this podcast to be so inspiring. Her name, actually we've connected, her name is Amanda, and we are going to be talking later this week about time management and side gigs, and I can't wait to connect with you one-on-one, Amanda. Thanks so much for your review. And this can be you, you and I can connect. It's really simple, just leave a review, and hopefully, your name will get drawn. And of course, I can always answer your questions on Ask Farnoosh Saturdays and Sundays. It's really easy to send in your question. Just go to somoneypodcast.com, click on Ask Farnoosh, and ask away. And it doesn't have to be a question. It can be a comment, a thought, a criticism. I'm open to constructive criticism. Be fair. Be nice. But uh, I, I'm open to your suggestions because after all this podcast, I started this for you. I came up with the uh, questions and everything, but that's all able to change. Let me know what questions you want me to ask guests or what you want me to stop asking guests. I take everything into consideration. Thanks, everyone. Hope you have a great rest of your weekend, and I hope your day is so money.